so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. God is a holy God, and He is serious about us walking in holiness. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. The Bible says, woe to those who isolate themselves or who don't have anyone there to pick them up when they fall down. The gospel hope is that we believe in a God who is engaged with His Son. I have had to come to terms with the fact that I live in a broken world and I live in a broken body. What if the one thing that we're praying for God to take away is the one thing He's using to make us more like Jesus. Welcome to the ERLC podcast. We are doing a series called How to Handle, where we're taking topics and issues that we sometimes see in the news, often in culture, And we're taking it and asking people, okay, how do we in the church handle these topics? Because we are, we aren't dealing with topics. We're, we're talking about people, people made in the image of God and people who matter to God. And so we want to think through these topics. And today I'm very excited to introduce you to David Murray. And David has, um, I've known him mostly via websites and the internet and his books for probably the last four years, four or five years. And it has been a joy to get to know him from afar and via email. And he is a gracious, um, wise man. And so I'm excited to have him on. He is a professor and author and author of we can, well, David, why don't you tell us? Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Julia. Yeah, I think we keep hoping we'd bump into one another at one of these big yeah. conferences, and it just doesn't seem to happen. It hasn't. It's funny, but we have we have engaged quite a bit, just never met in person, which we will have to change that. And people who are listening are going to immediately notice your accent. You are in oh, America. I have an accent? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? And so they are going to ask, where is he from? So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, obviously, I'm from Texas. and um, <laughs> You don't believe me, Trillian? No. No. Okay. Time for being serious. Um, I'm from Scotland originally and came over to the USA 10 years ago after being a pastor in Scotland for 13 years. And I came over here, I was called to teach in a seminary in Grand Rapids and train future pastors. And I've enjoyed doing that for the last 10 years. And even in the past year, became a citizen of the good USA. (laughs) And so there's no going back now. No. Well, we are glad you are here. I remember when you 
became a citizen and it was fun to to see you post about it and to share. So anyways, we are glad you are here. We are going to be talking about something that affects the church, affects people um, deeply and frankly, maybe just over the last couple of years, people are starting to talk more openly about it. It is something that I think has been um, mostly not talked about, and that is depression. I'm so glad to see more books and articles and, and people getting equipped about this topic because it affects so many people. And um, so I want to I want to just dive straight in and right in and ask why is this topic important to you? I believe I've I've read various articles of yours, but what what is it that um, makes it important to you? Trillia, you're absolutely right. I think it's an area where the church is growing a lot in recent years. I went through seminary over 20 years ago and the topic of depression wasn't raised once, which which probably led to, was part of the reason why I was so ignorant about it in my sure. early pastoral life. And it probably did harm as well. I was actually pastoring in an area of Scotland with a lot of depression and really didn't have a clue how to handle it. I I sort of imagined, well, Christians can't be depressed, so either you're in sin or you're not a Christian. And mm. obviously that's an extremely damaging view. And surprise, surprise, not many people came to me for counselling. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and um, But after about, I don't know, maybe must be almost seven, eight years in ministry, my own wife came down with a really bad depression. And if she's the last person you'd ever think would become depressed, she's a very type A, extrovert, chatty, kind of <laughs> the opposite of me. Sure. And uh, um, energetic. She's a medical doctor herself and very godly, puts me to shame. And I just couldn't understand how how can you be depressed? And I would... I would say to her, you know, Shona, come on, you know, we're in a lovely place, great congregation, families all around us, get three, three lovely kids, and above all, you're married to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, what more could anyone ask for? <laughs> and and she would, she would say, David, I know these things are all true. I can't stop crying. I just oh. can't stop crying. Yeah. And it was many months of real darkness, Trillia, because. Uh, even though she was a doctor and had diagnosed depression for many people, she just she couldn't see it in herself. She thought it was a spiritual problem that mm. somehow she'd done something that had you know pushed God so far away and left her in such darkness. And because it was such a stigma, we were sort of afraid to talk about it and get the help that she needed until we got desperate. And then God's good providence led us to a really good Christian pastor, a really good Christian doctor, and a really good Christian psychiatrist. Mm. And just a combination of these things just began a journey of learning for me. And I'm afraid I sometimes have to say to people and admit, I, I think my, my precious wife um, had depression mainly for my benefit, mm. um, to teach me and to remove ignorance, remove just complete misunderstanding and and equipped me to be a better a better person a better pastor and so yeah it's got a very personal dimension for me um it was it was a long way out of it mm -hmm. but over a couple of years 
We learned a lot together. Our marriage was actually deepened by it, and you know, we just we've been so much closer as a result of going through these times of weakness and darkness. And I just, you know, I've got a passion to help people who suffer like Shona did, and mm-hmm. and also to train ministers and counselors to to just grow awareness approach this in a much more holistic manner than than has been done in the past. Yeah. Well, there's a, so many things that you said in there that I want to touch on. And the first one is, is that it doesn't matter about your personality. It doesn't matter about your disposition. And it most definitely doesn't matter about your standing before the Lord. You And depression affects people from all walks of life and um all various personalities. And and I remember when I first moved to the Nashville area, I had a couple of months there. Now I would, I would say that I was, I was depressed. Now the dif- there's a difference between a sure. clinical depression and a general, just a right. season of despondency. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, I definitely think I had a season, but it was terribly hard and I was in deep, deep despair. I actually remember emailing you to, for advice and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I was like, I need help. And I would be what some people would say, one of the most joyful people. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I know. And it, it was a shock to me. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was also really, really good for me so that I could love my neighbor so that I could love those who experience this um, for pro- prolonged seasons, and um, so so I I think that's really it's good that we we state that up front. It, anyone can can fall in uh, or can experience mm. about or mm. clinically uh, long for a long haul depression, and and so I think that's important. Another thing is that I'm glad that you were able to address it. And take it out of the um, the shame. Mm. How do you think people who are battling this? How can they they fight against that temptation to not talk about it, to to handle it on their own, or like your sweet um, wife did to to not seek help very fast? So she she just assumed that she was doing something wrong before mm. the. How do we correct that for other people who might be experiencing similar things? Well, I, I think what you've just done there, Trillia, is a large part of it. And what Shona's done herself, what I've done using her story, and uh, Shona's actually just written about it in a book called Refresh. Okay. I, I think to talk about it, for those who have, like yourself, had a season, a taste, as it were, for those who have ended up in a in a much worse deeper darker pit uh, for for people to actually admit it talk about it i i think it's the key to helping others open up and i i think pastors have a large role to play here uh, a number of pastors i've counseled over the years with depression and one of the best things that they, they have all done early on, though much against their instincts, was confide in their elders or or in a few trusted people. Yeah. And I think for pastors as well to to bring it into their prayers and just make this a normal abnormality 
like we pray for people with you know cancer and and disabilities and and other losses in life to to bring in mental health issues mm. into into their prayers it just normalizes it if i could say that um and gives permission to people to talk about it and and seek help and and even to preach about it um if there's that opportunity or teach in bible classes or whatever uh you know i often think when we look out at our congregations there are of course people in them who have had abortions who have had same-sex attraction and these things must be preached on but way more people have had depression right. anxiety issues mm. and yet it's like the one unpreachable subject so i think pastors why do you think have, that is um i think you, the word you used earlier is is the key there's a sense of shame i think there's been a lot of false teaching around it's almost like the health wealth and prosperity gospel in mm. the reformed church even yeah. Um, that if you have it all together, you're never going to fall into this. If you fall into this, you've done something really wrong and you need to believe more, you need to repent more. And of course, that just, that closes people up. Mm. And it's often very baffling to people as well, like it was to my wife, because she knew she, well, I knew she had done nothing wrong. I could assure her of that. She, Her godliness puts me to shame. So I think we have to fight against false teaching as well. Yeah. You've just nailed something really important. Wow. That God, t- the commandment to love God with all our hearts, souls, and minds, there's a reason our mind is included. We're broken completely. And so there is a brokenness and a fallenness to us that needs the Lord's healing. And for people who haven't um, who assume that if you have it all together, that then you won't fall into X. That is the prosperity gospel, and it's dangerous. And so, have you have you written about this? Well, I mean, there's that in my little book I wrote a number of years ago. Christians get depressed too. Okay, which is That's basically, right. <laughs> you know, trying to undermine that whole idea that Christians don't get depressed. And I I think what you said there, you know, so many things play into our emotions, our circumstances, our our genes, uh, our spiritual lives, uh, and and just the chemistry of our bodies. Right. You know, you you go without sleep for a few days, you you eat badly for a week, you hide from the sun for four right. months, as, as people had to do in Scotland. Your your chemistry, your emotions are going to be affected. And, you know, you think about our brain, it's, it's, it's more complex than the, the most complex computer in the world, and it's broken, it's fallen. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, we can expect that area, which has such a key role in the formation of emotions, to, to have an impact when it's broken in producing broken emotions. Absolutely. And if, if we don't believe that, we don't believe in the fall. Right. Yeah, this is it's essential. It's essential to... Um understanding how people work, it really. Um, and I, I imagine that there are, like you said, there's more people who are listening to this who have struggled in, or if they haven't, they, they know someone who has, um, then we talk about. And so I, I do pray that we will start talking, um, even more in greater ways. We have, we have started, but it, it, 
I think from the pulpit in particular, what a grace that would be, as you said, if as we're praying for all these other things, we also pray for mental health and mental illness. So how can local churches become equipped? Yeah, I think, again, the pastor has such a critical role here in... So maybe if he suffered with it, revealing his own vulnerability, all the pastors I know that have done this have seen their ministries hugely enhanced and have have found even greater usefulness. So a sort of vulnerability in the leadership uh, to talking about these things. I think helping to provide holistic responses so that yes the pastor can help with spiritual issues and spiritual consequences of depression but you know also getting a a team together so that when somebody does come we can send them to a reliable doctor we can send them to a reliable um, professional counselor or psychiatrist just trying i think it's so important to develop a team and to mm. to recognize this has multiple causes right the physical emotional mental spiritual relational uh, genetic realms and therefore the cure the treatment must also come with with a very holistic approach and i think the church is just it's an ideal place because so much of uh, the the healing of depression comes from relationship and, and fellowship and community. And our churches could be just such places of wonderful healing and therapy. Just just people offering themselves as friends and supporters mm. and helpers through these weeks and months while we wait for other elements of the response to, to play out and create a a healing and a restoration. Yeah, I think um, we we want places where people can be vulnerable and honest, Um, grace environments where honesty is accepted and we're open to hearing the real true pains of people so that we can love one another. I think there's something else really important that you mentioned is outside help. I think um, often, or what I've seen is that sometimes Pastors in general um, will maybe try to handle things that they just can't. Um, and so getting outside help, people who are practitioners, people who are professionals who understand the mind in in not just the spiritual, but also this, the medical, I, I think is really important. And I'm glad that you have brought up um, counselors and psychiatrists and, and various people outside of just the church. We need to be able to get help. Would you agree? Oh, definitely, Trillia. I mean, there's a there's a an understandable skepticism, even fear, sure. in you know church communities about a lot of psychology, psychiatry, because it's just so much of it has been so bathed in secularism and, and humanism, and there's a lot of dangerous stuff out there. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, and that's, but again, that's where pastors can really help people. They have the theological expertise to do some filtering, to ask good questions, to find out what basis therapists are operating on. What, would they be supportive of somebody with faith or try to undermine? And right. you know, pastors are in a great position to work in their communities and and bring together trusted 
professionals that, and they don't necessarily need to be Christian in in certain circumstances, sure. but just they're not going to undermine what the pastor's doing. They're not going to work against them. But, you know, things like working cognitively with people, coping mechanisms, things like that, this is their bread and butter. They're dealing with 10, 12 people every day dealing right. with these things, whereas pastors might get one a month. So, there's an expertise and an efficiency that we can harness uh, for the pe- for people's healing. Mm. I want to end on some hope and encouragement. So if you are someone is listening who is struggling, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind who is um, battling with depression, uh, various ages, etc. If you could encourage a, the listener who's who is struggling, who's being who's affected today. How would you encourage them? Well, if it's an unbeliever, truly, I've seen God use depression in unbelievers' lives to draw them to himself, to to show them the hollowness and emptiness of life, to show them their mm-hmm. sin sure. and, and the ugliness of their hearts and, and to draw them to seek a savior. So if there's an unbeliever with depression, you know, repentance and faith might be a large part of the cure, and and many can testify to that. If it if it's a believer, then again, we can't rule out the possibility that sin has been a cause. You know, you think of the psalmist David; he he lurched into the deepest depression because of his sin. Hmm. And and again, for the Christian who's fallen into sin and fallen into depression as a result, the way back is still gospel hope of repentance and faith. And and for the Christian for whom sin is not the cause of their depression, I think we still have to point them towards all the resources that God in his grace has provided physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, medically, socially, ecclesiastically, and trace all these good gifts to God and show people God's care for the brokenhearted and the Mm -hmm. broken-minded. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us, for helping us think through um, this really important topic for the church and for people in general. And I'm praying that the Lord will use this in mighty ways. If you are listening and you need further resources, you can go to our website at ERLC.com and find other resources there. You have been listening to the ERLC podcast. Stay tuned for the next few weeks as we continue. Thank you. Thank you.